Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, January 6th, 2019, on the basis of Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. Nate Staniforth is a professional magician. He's traveled all over the world doing his magic shows, performing in front of thousands of people. And Nate Staniforth remembers his very first magic trick. He was barely 10 years old at the time. One day at recess, he, he called all of his classmates around him because he wanted to perform a magic trick, and, and sure enough, he did. He made a coin disappear. As you might imagine, the kids went nuts. They jumped up and down. They screamed at the top of their lungs. They were absolutely overjoyed and amazed at what they had seen. And yet, that's not why Nate Staniforth remembers that very first magic trick. See, there was a teacher at that school. Normally very stern, no nonsense, almost always had a scowl on her face, and normally he was absolutely terrified of her. Well, when she saw all of this commotion, she marched on over and she demanded to see what he had done that had caused the kids to react the way that they did. And so he did the magic trick again. He made the coin disappear. And when he did, as he recalls, the transformation was total. The anger gave way to amazement. The scowl gave way to a smile. The normal grouchiness on her face turned into sheer joy. And when he witnessed that, when he saw that moment, he decided right then and there that he wanted a whole lot more moments like that. And so that's when he decided to become a professional magician. Which leads me to the question that I would like us to consider this morning. And that question is this. Wouldn't it be nice if our lives had a little more magic in them? And before we go any further, I want to make sure we define magic very carefully and very specifically. You see, magic is not just about making coins disappear and making rabbits appear out of hats. No, I I like the definition that was offered by a British writer by the name of Arthur Clarke. He once said that any sufficiently advanced technology often appears indistinguishable from magic. In other words, he was saying that if you had an advance in technology that was just leaps and bounds beyond the previous status quo, to the people who first encounter that technology, it seems no different than magic. As an example, when the iPhone X recently came out, I'm guessing that not too many people thought of it as anything magical. Why? Because, well, it's just a little bit better than all of the iPhones that had come before it. But think back to that very first iPhone that Apple released. Or imagine taking an iPhone and giving it to someone who lived a century ago. I'm guessing the reaction would be a little bit different. That would seem a little bit more like magic. And so here's how I want us to define magic today. Magic is really anything that defies explanation. Anything that goes beyond the limits of our understanding. And in fact, this sort of explains why when we are young, Life is just full of magic, isn't it? There's magic all around us because there's so much about the world that we just don't understand. But then, of course, we get older and we get smarter and we understand why things happen the way that they do. We understand why the world works the way that it does. And little by little, the magic in our life slowly disappears until suddenly there are no more moments like the one on that playground. Moments that make us just stop dead in our tracks, drop everything that we're doing, take our breath away. No more moments to make us jump up and down like schoolyard children. And so again, I ask, 
You think it'd be nice if our lives had a little more magic in them? If so, then I've got good news, because as we look at these verses from Matthew chapter 2 today, we're going to be looking at an event that happened in the life of Jesus very early on. He's just a, a couple of months old, maybe, maybe a year at the most. And it's a story that in its own right has maybe lost some of its magic because it's become so familiar. In fact, the main characters in this story are in just about every nativity scene that you saw this past Christmas, including the one that is up at the front of our church. And so maybe this story has lost a little bit of its magic, but make no mistake, there are some very magical things going on here. And you'll want to pay close attention to make sure you don't miss them. In fact, as we look at these verses from Matthew chapter 2 today, here's what we're going to see. That already at a very early age, Jesus himself was doing magic. You look at all the characters in this story, and really you can divide them up into two neat and tidy groups. And those groups are these. People who had all kinds of magic in their lives, and people who had no magic at all. And it's pretty easy to see which people belong in which group. In fact, for that first group, our translation of Matthew's words in Matthew chapter 2 describe them as magi, which you can probably figure out is very much related to our word for magician. These people's lives were full of magic. In fact, it was their job to do magic. It was their job to do things like sorcery and fortune-telling and snake charming, and dream interpretation. And most importantly for our purposes, it was their job to be all into astrology, into reading the stars. They believed that the movement of the stars affected life on planet Earth. And so there they were, off in the east, we're told, probably ancient Persia, or what we would call modern-day Iran. And all of a sudden, as they were gazing off into the night sky, they saw something unusual. We don't know exactly what it was. And for whatever reason, for reasons that we don't fully understand or know why, it, whatever they saw in the sky, caused them to think that something unusual had happened. In fact, that something magical had happened. It caused them to think that the king of the Jews had been born. And so off they go on this harrowing trek covering hundreds of miles of wilderness. You can imagine what this journey cost them. You can imagine what it took out of them, the time that it took away from their lives and away from their families, the costs that went into it, the expenses of the trip, the time away from work and the income that they lost. I don't know how much PTO they had racked up at that point, but I'm guessing they blew through it pretty quickly. And then, of course, the gifts, those expensive gifts that they brought so that they could give them to the king. This is, this is very unusual, very radical behavior from these magi. It's the kind of behavior that you see when someone's life is full of magic, when someone sees something happening that is truly magical. Okay, so that's one group. The other group in the story is everybody else. And their lives have absolutely no magic in them at all. First of all, you've got King Herod. He was the one who had the title King of the Jews. Even though he himself wasn't a Jew, he had sort of scratched and clawed his way into that title, but had done so rather ruthlessly. He had killed absolutely everyone who stood in his way, including his own wife at one point. By this point, Herod was near the end of his life, but he had also shed a great deal of blood to make sure that when he died, someone from his own family, one of his own children, would be on the throne next. And so you can imagine that when these magi came from the east and started asking around town about this newborn king of the Jews, how Herod would have felt about that. Herod was threatened. Herod was worried that his crown was in jeopardy. 
Then you've got the people of Jerusalem. They didn't like King Herod. They didn't like him one bit, but they were happy to put up with the status quo. As long as Herod was king, no more killing. And so you can imagine how they reacted when they found out that Herod was upset. As the old saying goes, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And so when they found out that Herod was upset, they were upset too, wondering who's he going to kill next? What is this erratic, bloodthirsty king going to do? And then finally, you've got the experts in religion of the day, the the priests and the teachers of the law. And their expertise is called on to find out exactly where this newborn king was born. And sure enough, they had the answer. They found it right there in the book of the prophet Micah, not Jerusalem, but Bethlehem. All kinds of different people, and yet notice what they have in common. When the time comes to go to Bethlehem, none of them move an inch. King Herod is just worried about finding out where the Savior is so that he can order his next hit. The people are probably too scared to go for fear that that somehow it will appear that their loyalty is divided. And as for the experts in religion, those teachers of the law, it appears as though they, they simply rolled up their scrolls, sat back down at their desks, and went back to work. This is what it looks like when someone's life has absolutely no magic at all. So back to our question. Do you think it'd be nice if your life had a little more magic in it? As you think about those two groups of people, which would you rather be? I'm not saying that you need to take a a six-month sabbatical and, and take some journey across a desert hundreds of miles away, but wouldn't it be nice every now and then, amid the the sameness and the ordinariness of life, to have moments like like the one that these magi, these magicians experienced, moments that just stop you dead in your tracks. Moments that take your breath away. Moments that make you drop everything else. Moments that make you do things that otherwise make no sense at all. In fact, maybe you can think back on experiencing moments like that. Maybe maybe a little bit more when you were a little bit younger. Like when you meet that boy or that girl who, as they say, gives you all the feels. And so you spend a night all night up talking to them on the phone, even though you know very well the very next day you're going to pay for it. Or maybe that moment when you discover that band who just really seems to understand your teenage angst, who just really captures your voice, and so you go out and you buy concert tickets to see them live and in person, even though, even though you don't really have the money to be able to do so. Wouldn't it be nice, no matter how old we get, might get, that life would still have moments like that? And yet, if you're anything like me, you maybe look at your life and realize those moments are few and far between. Every day sort of seems like the days that came before. The solution to every problem is our own work, our own plans, our own schemes, our own strategy. Anything that's out of the ordinary or unexpected is is a very, very serious threat to the delicate status quo that we have established. Everything that we do and everything that happens is based on a very reasonable and well-thought-out explanation. If you're anything like me, maybe you've found that life seems to be sort of without magic, and maybe you've thought that it would be nice if life had a little bit more magic. But that sort of leads to a, a more fundamental and important question than the one we've been asking. It's one thing to say, wouldn't life be nice if it had a little bit more magic in it, but... Maybe the bigger question is, does it? Do our lives 
have magic in them. See, it's easy to look at, at what these magicians did and sort of from our, our 21st century American perspective sort of dismiss it. I mean, you heard what I told you they were into, right? They were into to fortune telling and sorcery and astrology. And from our 21st century perspective, it might be easy for us to dim- dismiss all of that as nothing more than silly superstition. I mean, of course they acted the way that they did. There was so much about the world that they didn't understand that we do. And of course their lives were full of all of this magic, but ours just can't be. We can't go around pretending that everything in life is covered in pixie dust. Peter Pan, come on, grow up a little bit. In fact, it maybe doesn't come as any sort of surprise to know that people would look at this story and and they would say that there's really nothing magical going on. That whatever it is that these magicians saw, it was maybe unusual, but still nonetheless a, a natural astrological event. There was nothing supernatural about this star. It was just their superstition and sort of a random coincidence of events that brought them to Jerusalem. For the record, by the way, there are details in Matthew's account that make it very clear that there is something supernatural going on with this star, something magical, you might say. But for just a moment, let's assume that there's not. Let's assume that this was a, a, maybe a rare but very natural astrological event, that it was just a random set of coincidences that brought them to Bethlehem. Even if that is the case, that still doesn't take the magic out of this story. In fact, the real magic in this story is found somewhere else. Have you ever seen a magic trick where the magician, the person who's performing the trick, tells you to pay very close attention to something very specific? And the reason he wants you to pay attention to something specific is because it's only a diversion for what's going on way over here where the real trick is being performed? Well, in the very same way as we look at this story, it's real easy to get all caught up in what's going on with this star and and whether or not anything supernatural has taken place. But Matthew wants us to know that the real magic of this story is found somewhere else. Unfortunately, it doesn't come out in our translation, but if I could loosely paraphrase, Matthew begins his entire account of this story this way. He says, Shortly after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the reign of King Herod, look, behold, pay attention, magi came from the east. It's almost as if he's saying, look, it's magic. There are magicians who have come to see the birth of the Savior Jesus. Now, what is so magical about that? Well, believe it or not, it's not just 21st century Americans that would look at things like astrology and sorcery and fortune telling and dismiss it all as silly superstition. So would Matthew's original readers. In fact, for the Jewish audience to which Matthew was writing, those things were not just foolish, they were forbidden. They were off limits. They were declared evil by God. And yet it's for these very people for these magicians who are up to their eyeballs in the dark arts, who are Gentiles, who are foreigners and outsiders from hundreds of miles away, for them, God moves heaven and earth to give them a behind-the-scenes, all-access pass to the birth of the Savior. And in the meantime, the insiders, the experts, the elite, those nearby... They're too busy in their day-to-day status quo to even see the magic that is right in front of their faces. You see, the very same human wisdom that would tell us that things like fortune-telling and sorcery and astrology are all just silly, do you know what else that very same human wisdom says? That human wisdom says things like, God helps those who help themselves. That human wisdom says things like, God punishes people who are evil and rewards people who are good. 
And yet already in the earliest months of our Savior's life, we see that God does things the exact opposite way. This is what defies explanation. This is what defies our understanding. This is where the magic in this story is found. And this is where I want you to find the magic in your life too. In fact, we might even think about it in terms of a magic trick. You probably are well aware that all kinds of magic tricks involve playing cards. And we might think of our lives as if we are holding a set of playing cards in our hands. Some of them high, some of them low, some of them good, some of them bad. And of course, normally as we go through life, we don't want everyone to see all of our cards. In fact, we have an expression for this, right? We talk about playing things close to the vest. There are only certain cards that we want people to see, the really good cards. You know, I got a new job, got a new promotion this week. We bought a new house this week. Little Johnny made the honor roll, and little Susie, she got first chair in the orchestra. Look at that, the ace of spades. How nice is that? But the rest of the cards I'll kind of keep hidden to myself. But what if, what if people saw all of our cards? In fact, what if, one by one, we all had to come up to the front of this room and lay all of our cards out on the table? All of the things in our life that we so often don't want people to see. The way that we act when no one but our family is around. There it is, the two of hearts. The things that we look at, the things that we laugh at, the things that we long for as we hold that magical little screen in our hands. There it is, the three of clubs. The things that we hate about how we look or what we drive or where we live that we don't want anyone else to know about or anyone else to see. What if you had to come in front of this room and show all of those cards to everyone? Is it getting hot in here or is it just me? In fact, I think if we had to do that, instantly upon finishing, we would run out the door and never come back. And you know what? That's, that's what makes sense. That's how life works. That's how it ought to go. And yet, thankfully, God does things the exact opposite way. Unlike these magicians, we don't need to see some sign in the sky to know where our king is to be found. Our king has told us exactly where he is to be found. And just as surely as those magicians found Jesus when they went to that house in Bethlehem, so also we will find Jesus whenever we go to the place where he has promised to be. He has promised to be in his word. He has promised to be in baptism. He has promised to be in the supper that he has left us to celebrate. And this Jesus is the very definition of goodness and purity and holiness. And guess what? He already knows what is on each and every one of those cards. And yet far from sending you out of the room to replace you with someone who's a little bit more worthy, just as he did for those magi, he gives you a behind-the-scenes, all-access pass to him and to all the blessings that he came to bring. Forgiveness for our sins. Freedom from our guilt. Hope for eternal life. You realize, don't you, that nothing else in your life works this way. In every other area of life, we are categorized and we are ordered based on our performance. Access isn't just given away. Access has to be earned. It starts from a very early age, doesn't it? You're placed in a very specific classroom or a very specific reading group within your classroom. You get a little bit older and you either get a part in the play and a spot on the team or you get cut. You're either part of the starting five or you get benched. 
You get older still, and your pay, and your promotions, and your job title, and everything else is based on your performance. And it all makes perfect sense. That's how everything ought to go. But God works in just the opposite way. And when everything else in your life goes one way, and, and I'm guessing you'd agree that when everything else has a tendency to sometimes wear you down, when God acts the exact opposite way, it is truly magical. Takes your breath away. Makes you stop dead in your tracks. Makes you do things. Like reorganize your schedule, rearrange your time, allocate your resources, makes you do things that otherwise would make no sense at all. Is there magic in your life? You better believe there is. In fact, here's the best part. I, the only reason I found out about this guy named Nate Staniforth is because he recently wrote a book that tells his entire life story about being a, ma- a magician. And the reason he wrote the book is because there was actually a time in his life where the magic went away. That feeling that he got for making people transform the way that he had with that teacher, it stopped being magical to him. All of the magic left, and so he stopped performing magic because it wasn't magical anymore. In fact, he had to take a journey of his own. He went all the way over to India and finally got the magic back. Well, the good news is that with Jesus, the very same magic that he showed with these musicians, magicians, he has been showing ever since. When everything in our life works one way, he continues to work in just the opposite way. And so if you're looking for your life to have a little bit more magic, the good news is that Jesus started doing magic at a very early age, and he hasn't stopped since. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.